friends from Far Away Podcasting presents Ill Will. Ill Will is a horror anthology podcast written and directed by Keegan Vanderwicken. Ill Will may contain themes and topics not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. to look at. You know that, right? Perfect. So, if you are planning to try and hurt me, you know I will have to lock you up somewhere, right? <sighs> sure, I'm just fine and definitely not going crazy. I was only trying to sleep in the living room of my childhood, and now I'm talking to a doll. Perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. Not at all an indication that I'm slowly losing my mind. <sighs> now, wait a minute. Did... Did you drop this? Oh, that's not creepy at all. I guess I have to thank you for revealing this. Um, how did you know where to find it? Never mind. Talking to a doll again. I need, um, I need, uh, I need coffee and better lighting. I guess back to work. Right. Of all the things to be organized, it's a collection of childhood photos. Some of me and Michael and plenty others of people that I don't fully know or remember. But Samuel said to look at these, and perhaps if I... Okay then, tell me about yourself. I see an older photo, sepia in tone and looking almost too brittle to touch. Yet, to get answers, I suppose I must do a touch. I see three figures in the photo. The first is obviously my mother, back when the Americas were still being discovered by colonizers. We have heard plenty of stories of how this land used to be before it was corrupted and soiled by westward expansion. The second figure is a sour-faced white man who appears to be grudgingly begr shaking my mother's hand. The last figure in the photo was a large and looming man with a darker complexion. His club his clothes in rougher shape than that of the prior two figures, though he was not touching the first man, but instead stood behind my mother, looking at an official-looking piece of paper in his hands. He looks familiar to me, yet I know not his name. Tell me his name. 
Franklin Stenson was born an illegitimate child of his former master and his mother, who hailed from what is now known as the Republic of the Congo. My mother has just brokered for his contract. No, my mother bought him his freedom to the dismay of his former owner. Franklin is astounded and grateful, and expresses that he cannot repay her, and Mary acknowledges that he does not have to, as she was simply repaying an old debt of his grandmother. And he now owes her nothing and belongs to no one. I see them leaving that horrid place and heading westward. She established, she was to establish a new home. And when asked what he shall do, Franklin responded that he has to find the rest of his family and asks where he should start. Mary informs him to follow his heart, and when he is ready to leave this life behind, to find her in the West. A familiar image of the same backyard I can see from the very spot I am seated. Michael and myself are young and are playing in the backyard. It is raining heavily. Mother insisted we enjoy the spring downpour. She was expecting a surprise visitor soon. While we played in the wet grass, the water and mud stuck between my toes, making them dirty. Then washed clean again in moments as the cold rain washed over me and down the hill to the forest. Mother would need to check for ticks later. While we play pretend with the sticks we found, Mother watched from the kitchen window, and she turned her attention away from us. Even from the backyard, I heard the doorbell ring. I could not have been bothered to pay more attention, and soon our games of tag and wrestling had made me forget about Mother's mystery visitor. We also had our own encounter that sticks clearly in my mind. A small humanoid had appeared. He had an animal skin cloak wrapped around himself, broken bent wings. I do not recall his name, though do remember Mother referring to it as a tomte. Small creature had thin, whiskey hair that seemed to float about as he hopped around in the rain with us. He soon convinced us that we should take the sticks we were using to sword fight to the bridge and race them by dropping them into the water to see which would come out the other end fastest. We did not know where a bridge to do this new game was, but the Tomte advised if we follow it through the forest, we would find it. We listened, and we followed. Both of us went into the forest, following the stream, came across the bridge. We quickly decided it would be best to not actually throw our sticks. We challenged each other to stand on the railings of the bridge so we could take turns trying to knock each other off. Even back then, Michael was stronger than me. I remember the hard thwack as his stick found the side of my head and I fell into the water below. It was not deep and I was able to stand at the banks of the flowing river easily enough. I didn't even see the danger looming behind me. Even as Michael was shouting, I could not make out what he was saying. All at once I was pulled under the water. I struggled to stand, to hold my breath, to orient myself. But I could not see anything and slowly was losing consciousness. Strong hands found my shirt and pulled me from the stream. Mother had followed from the house, and she was livid. The light spring shower had turned into a storm with loud wind and thunder. I had failed to notice, and 
we had been playing on a troll bridge. Now illuminated by the lightning in the sky, I see the benevolent beast had been pulling me under the water and towards itself, where it was staying high and dry on the banks of the bridge. The towering giant was looking quizzically at me from behind my mother's back. Mother turned her wrath to us for being careless and distracting her. Neither of us wished to be punished, and we were quick to point the blame away from us and towards the Tomte instead. The image of her grasping the small creature by the throat still stand out in my mind. Her fury was more terrifying than the storm looked around us, though she eventually released the spirit and made abundantly clear that she and her kin were protected to not be misled again. Oh. Another. Show me more. I have no memory of this. The images of me and Michael, teenagers and fast asleep. Who took this photo? Mary took this photo while we slept. She then grabbed a pen and paper and began to write a letter contents of which I cannot see, though do note that she is writing this by hand and not using magic as she normally does during correspondence. I can barely understand normal writings to begin with, and her extra loopy cursive did not help. After some time, she finishes writing the letter, folds it, and places it in an envelope, but doesn't seal it. Something distracted her. It was me. I had woken up due to a nightmare and she had left the kitchen to provide aid. This was around the same time I first began seeing ghosts. I had difficulty sleeping and my waking hours were spent with my mother counseling me and breathing exercises and a mixture of medicines to try and help my powers manifest fully and, more importantly, under control. This night, she shared with me about her own powers. As we came into the kitchen, I didn't notice as she scooped up the photo and letter, placing both behind some dishes in the open cupboard. She spoke to me that night, saying my powers were not something to be afraid of. She shared that every witch has a power manifest in a different way, and that each is unique and special. As unique and special as the individual witch, in fact. And though it takes time and patience, eventually one can conquer their power in order to help others. She told of how when her powers first manifested, that books would carelessly be thrown around whatever room she was in. I asked how she conquered it. She laughed, handing me a glass of milk, and said she listened to the magic, and soon found how to channel her magic not into random pages, but instead into runes. Runes and carvings capable of holding the power she wields far better than any straight text. She devised her own language in a way that made sense to her, and from that created the very runes around the home, and of course the runes also upon her own skin. It took time and practice, but the carving of the runes allowed her to imbue them with magic, 
and soon she found that because the excess magic was controllable, it wouldn't explode out and tear apart writings. She could direct it to other things as well. I asked her how I could make the ghost leave me alone, and my mother suggested I ask them instead of her. This was the start of my training. Okay. So, if everything I saw was correct, then that would mean... Uh-huh. Right. Um, her letter is still here. Open. Unsealed. Though it's... It is written in a runic language that I cannot decipher. It will take work and most likely Google Translate to figure out what this says. End recording.